Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today we've got Andrew Holland on and he's the head organic at Embryo, an SEO agency. Hi Andrew. Hey there Daniel, how are you doing? Good, you? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad. It's 5pm so I'm getting a little jaded by the end of the day but I'm hopefully I'm going to answer all the questions and give your listeners some information they might find useful. Yeah, no, I'm sure you will. Um, on that point, do you want to jump straight in and tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so I'm uh, head of organic, which is a, um, a rather fancy title, but basically means head of all the marketing that people don't pay for clicks for. So um, essentially, we've got a team where, where we look at SEO and content writing. So all the things that ranks online in Google for, that you don't pay for a click, that's like under the organic umbrella. So and my job is to run the team that generate results for our, um, our clients. Uh, so it's a big team. Uh, we're a seven-figure agency. And uh, I think I've got about, I think about 10, 11 staff now. We've got vacancies out for more jobs, which is great. Wow. So tell me a bit about SEO because I've only just sort of got into this whole world and understanding of SEO. And it is a real sort of a minefield, isn't it? There's so many things, so many things to learn about it. And we actually had our first SEO guest on a few weeks ago. Um, and it kind of really, really piqued my interest because it's a really interesting part of marketing that I think people don't really delve into unless they work in it. Yeah, I mean, and and even the people in the industry have very varying views on the subject. So it is complicated. It, it's complicated because it's uh, sold um, in various forms, it's complicated because some people have a version of SEO that's different than others, and there's various degrees, you know, like technical SEO and uh, e-commerce SEO, and there's lots of different tactics you can, you can use. So SEO is an industry, traditionally, we've been really poor at positioning and selling our services. Um, so, and I have a unique view and angle about SEO, but SEO really is about helping to people to make uh, better decisions through optimizing a website and, and optimizing includes technical fixes to that and includes also creating content um, and because you want make people to make better decisions to choose the, the client the size work you're working for and also if you're a site yourself uh, you know you might be a blog you want to make give your information to more people and SEO can help with that process so I don't think there's a really one size fit all uh, definition but uh, I would think a best one would be SEO is about helping people to uh, make decisions uh, and improve their life through um, content exposure, so to speak. Very interesting. I think what really piqued my interest actually when I was speaking to our other SEO guest was just how quickly and how much what you do changes because you're, you know, reliant on, you know, the Google algorithm and what they're looking for changes so regularly it's so important to keep up to date with what's happening online, right? Um, do you know what? I, I don't know who you would guess was. I'd probably disagree with that a little bit because it, the end result, if you, it, there's two ways to look at SEO. There's a, <clears throat> pardon me, there's a shallow way in mm. which you're trying to keep up with the Google algorithm and you're trying to get the changes. And the other way is actually to give people what they really need, uh, which is to be generous, be empathetic in terms of the content. And, um, and just help people. And the, there's, you can't game Google. There's no way you can't outgame it. So you mm. have to really be generous. And the sites, traditionally, if you go back through history, the sites that have been the most generous are the ones that are still around and winning. You know, if you take Wikipedia, for example, one of the biggest sites in the world, 
what does Wikipedia do? It just gives you everything for free and the, all the information you can ever need. And sites that do that win. Amazon's a vast site, you know, TripAdvisor gives you every review going on every hotel. And yeah, there's there's making the commercial revenue from that as, as a process in itself. But I, I think as SEO tactics go, there's lots of small tactics that can get people shorter wins on less money and things like that. But I've always approached SEO since I've been doing it really in terms of it's this process of giving as much information as you're, you know, being the source of information within the industry, um, whatever niche or industry that is, and providing helpful content. And I think if you provide helpful, high quality content, you usually algorithm proof to a degree. Um, the problem I think is is where where we change opinions and almost people try and game the system we have problems. I'm not saying that's what your last last guest or previous guest mm. have, have be, uh, do or, or talk about, but I, I think, yes, you've got to keep your knowledge up to date, but in actual fact, the actual real process of SEO really hasn't changed that much. It's just that people have got away with doing less, if that makes sense. And, and, and what they're finding is every time the algorithm changes, they have to go and do a little bit more and a lot more. And if you have always had that approach of, to do as much as humanly possible, budget and clients allowing, then you probably ended up being more algorithm proof. Um, you know, I've got, I own a personal website. It's been around for, it's, I'm going to say 12 years and it's, I've barely been hit by algorithms. I've had a couple of times, but then when I looked at that, it was my fault for not providing good in class content and some of the pages. So, you know, when you've been involved in SEO for that long, or you've had a website that's that old, you see the ups and downs, you realize, Arguably, it's it's the failings of the website, not the algorithm. That is a really interesting perspective. I've not heard that on SEO. It's 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 actually a nicer way of explaining how SEO works, and and it's all about kind of developing that content to actually help people, which which sounds great. But yep, that's it. That is it. exactly it. And and unfortunately, we wait sometimes. I mean, budgets are one of the biggest problems. You know, there's finite resources, and that's what budget dictates. There's, there's only so much money some people put in, but but we're an underserved, under underfunded agent industry, really. Um, you know, as an agency, we're lucky. We've got a wide variety of clients, all the way from small businesses to, to very very large seven figure plus ones. And you know, but budgets, generally speaking, across SEO industries are um, undervalued in comparison with other marketing methods. No, very interesting. But for you, Andrew, where does this all start? So, did you go to university? <laughs> what did you do? How did you get into this? Okay, so I have a really unconventional career path that I wouldn't recommend to people. But but I suppose you're. Um, I suppose it would be interesting if I, I gave that the, the more succinct version of it. So um, I started, I, I joined Staffordshire Police age 16. Oh, wow. uh, as, uh, yeah, under what they called the cadet program then. And it was like a full-time program for two and a half years where the first year you'd spend at headquarters and you'd learn all, everything from first aid to lifeguarding. And also you'd end up going on um, attachments to both police station and also weirdly in like supermarkets and working with the disabled to give you this really cross varied function of life to prepare you for going into the police at 18. And then the second year you work at police stations uh, for the whole year. Um, and then, so I joined at 18 following that cadetship as uh, to the Staffordshire police as a constable. And I went through that career path, became a qualified sergeant, worked in covert policing. Um, and, and what tended to happen is 
I worked in intelligence, which was covert policing, and it was cool. My role was a chiz handler, which is a horrible phrase, <laughs> but um, it stands for covert human intelligence source handler. And basically, my job was to recruit informants and to create intelligence from informant information. And wow, and yeah, and crazily, that that actually, believe it or not. Um, you end up putting the intelligence or you did do it. So I don't know what it's like now. I've been gone a long time. We put it on an internal search engine. So we're like a, a very mini version of Google. So, <laughs> so, and you know, we had to build links and I had to write intelligence, sanitize intelligence logs, like blog posts they were. Uh, and, and also then I have to go and promote the content, um, you know, to different agencies because if the informants didn't get paid, if, if we didn't get results and didn't get uh, drugs recovered or stolen property recovered and things like that. Uh, so um, I didn't know that at the time, but that was like SEO. And it was like SEO school, really, without knowing it. Nobody knew it was yeah. SEO. We didn't know that we were involved in search engine optimization because we didn't really see this as a search engine. Uh, we, you know, it was a network computer and um, in an internal one. So I left that department on the promotion path. And, you know, for some reason, um, you know, I, I sort of changed tax in the police force and I started teaching martial arts and I set up a website for the club we have and the club was really struggling. It was hard and I didn't, we didn't, I didn't know anything about marketing in the slightest. Uh, I joined Facebook only for the reason of that school. I mean, it was early Facebook days. This is like, to give you some indication, this is like around when the first iPhone came out. Oh, wow. at times. Yeah, so it is some time ago. And what, what ended up happening was the club really didn't do well enough. And I said, I'd never open up another martial arts club until I learned everything I could about martial arts. And then one day, um, I mean, I set up a website, built it myself and learned that kind of thing. It was just a basic GoDaddy or WordPress one at the time. And and what happened was I, I left away and then started blogging, started carrying on blogging about martial arts and self-defense. And, um, and then I ended up getting a call for an interview and I went along, uh, got this call, said, can you come on this interview in a couple of hours time? We want to talk about self-defense and me being me, egocentric. I asked, um, you know, how many listeners there were going to be, you know, because that's what you want to tell everyone, don't you? Um, and he said, oh yeah, about 8.2 million. And I was like, what? I thought you wow. were a local radio. He said, oh, no, no, with the Jeremy Vine show on BBC Radio 2. And, <laughs> um, and I don't listen to radio and I didn't listen to radio. I don't listen to radio still. I mean, if anything, I listen to podcasts. I think, I think that's the way the world is going a little bit. But mm. uh, obviously back then, this was a big thing. So I went on the um, radio, did the interview, come back. The producer spoke to me and I asked him how he found me. And he said, oh, we found you online. I was like, what? Why you found me on the internet? And I, I thought... <laughs> And I thought, well, hold on, if I can get exposure to 8.3 million people on live BBC radio for free, well, for, for what was a £7 a month website hosting charge, I thought there's got to be something in that. So mm. I started like reverse engineering it, learned about this thing called SEO. I, I sort of fell into it. And then for the next year, for years and years, what I do is I set up my websites, run experiments, I kind of became really passionate about it test out things things failed things were successes um things didn't go so well or some things i'd be i'd come home from like a late shift at like midnight pour myself a glass of wine um and i'd go on that sit in the kitchen you know sit at the dining room table and uh, go through a webinar or, or read articles and then and do some writing myself and then i'd go bed and i always made sure i did an hour a day but you know and an hour a day doesn't sound much but it comp it compounds Mm. over a long enough period of time so 
and that's what happened. So you're talking probably the best part of, I'm going to guess best part of eight years or something like that. Something wow. crazy where, where I was um, doing this um, as a hobby really. And, and this as well as other marketing, you know, I was doing YouTube and Facebook stuff for people and, and uh, try stuff out and do some stuff for free for people. And I was just really interested in, um, I mean, obviously, when you're in the police, you've got quite. I've been in the police for a long time by this point, and um, it was roughly in about 16 years in the police. 17, yeah, 16 years in, I got diagnosed with uh, chronic asthma, and I was kind of fed up with my career in the police anyway. You know, condition, pain conditions were well, pain was okay, but conditions were awful. I mm. mean, it was like, horrific. There was no police officers. We we're in the big cuts, uh, budget cut period of time, and. Um, and that was uh, seven years ago. Well, well, eight years ago, I got diagnosed with chronic asthma, and then I took medical retirement after that because um, I could. And they, you know, they offered it to me. They said you could never go out on the streets again. And I particularly didn't want to be a police officer that stayed indoors all the time. Mm. So, uh, so I said, yeah, okay, well, I'll go and try this marketing lockout. And then I walked out of the police station, and I think it was 2015. I think it is now. And um, I walked out on the um, on the Friday and on the Tuesday, because remember it, because on the Tuesday, on the Monday, I'm sure it was April 1st and I didn't want to start a business on April Fool's Day. <laughs> and I'd rang around some people and who I'd interviewed and, and got in touch with and done a bit of some bobs during my like sort of free period of time. And then they took me on board as, as their clients. So they were my first clients and uh, some of them stayed with me for five, six years after that. So, um, and then, so I, I started really, um, as a freelancer, sort of not really knowing what I was doing. And then I'd take any profits I got and like reinvested them into training courses. And I spent a fortune on training. I estimate about £30,000 I spent on training wow. courses and all online. And then from there, it just one thing led to another, led to another. I ended up being the trainer for the Chambers of Commerce as a, as a side part, you know, because I'd done a viral video in Stoke on Trent. It was like, the most where I'm from, it was the most viral video in Stoke's history about <laughs> Stoke on Trends. And I, I spent about £50 and that went viral on Facebook within Stoke. You know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's only, sure. just, it only had 250,000 people, but 250,000 views. I was happy. And then landed some more clients and then did like uh, millions of views on viral videos and then started doing more SEO work. And then eventually I morphed very much into the SEO path. So I had a good background in general marketing and across the digital spectrum. And then, and then eventually SEO tends to settle because that's where the, the, the longer uh, retainers and the higher paying clients were. And um, yeah, I just kept going and going through the business. So it, it took a kicking in COVID, but I think everyone's did. Um, mm -hmm. And then post lockdown, post all the lockdowns, I was in a position where um we were like a boutique agency. So it was me, I had a, a member of staff, plus a lot of freelancers who were supporting me and, and I couldn't recruit. So I had a real bottleneck of recruitment problem where I was looking to recruit and it would have killed me and I would have had to take on a lot of debt. And mm. it's long after pandemic and um, I'd been doing this for you know seven years at this point. And um, an opportunity came up at Embryo where I am now, which is a, one of Manchester's leading agencies and one of the countries fastest growing digital agencies and you know with 50 staff uh, and I, I know when I was offered the role of head of organic and you know I looked at you know I'm, I'm one for seeing what life is out there and what it holds and I'd come from such a weird background and running my own business <laughs> for seven years and the police before that and I thought well you know what I, I've 
I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And, and I joined about five months ago now. And um, yeah, it's been going strong ever since. And it's a fantastic experience. And, and my business is sort of not folded, but it's morphed into what you would call a, a training business. So, you know, I'm doing, we do online training. I've got a book out and courses and things like that. So that's still going, but it's changing. And my day-to-day job is here at, at Embryo. Uh, we're, we're running the organic team such an interesting sort of career path you've had there and I, I love the fact that you sort of taught yourself seo over eight years um you know an hour a day which is just like we always get this kind of advice you know just keep chipping away at what you want to do and you can do it in your spare time like you did or or after work and it does compound that's exactly what you know our, our listeners like love to hear once you build up and you compound you can achieve you know a career switch or, or something like that yeah i mean i have to I, I hate to emulate what gary v says if you're a follower of gary venichuk online mm-hmm. but but patience is extremely underrated and um the reality is i'm proof of that patience and and i think there's we live in a world where there's an incredible amount of pressure to um achieve results in a very short period of time and, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's you know you we're as younger people i don't know what the demographic of your audience is but it doesn't matter whether you're older or younger you can start again at any point in time and we don't really have that kind of mantra shared within or the narrative of that shared within society you know you go to school you've got to study now you expect to go to college and university and if you don't go to university you're you're a failure of some kind or you you know or if you go and take a job at 16 and then change careers at 20 you know you you, you sometimes job hop or you've got no you know not, not got no navigation in your career and there's lots of labels around people that move around and try different things but ultimately neurological diversity or neurodiversity can only come from a range of things such as your background and your experiences and and i'm a big fan of you know of, of you know you need to get as many experiences in life as possible because you don't know how that's going to um how to implode within your brain and and once you have this differences and varying sets of information that's colliding your brain ideas happen you know that's where idea ideation comes from you you, you literally the sparks of of, of career chains um, go ahead inside your brain and you know and you can be on all kinds of paths one minute you can be working as a, you know in the in a recruitment office and the next minute you can become a professional surfer you know we, life is no longer a case of you get a job spend your whole life in that job in that office and with the same company and then retire with a, a nice watch and a retirement party 30 years later it isn't like that anymore we're all in this game for a long time and, and work is such an big part of that and i think we should be masters of our own destiny and also try a lot and fail a lot and there's nothing wrong with that i couldn't have said that about myself that's exactly the sentiment of of this podcast and why we do what we do and i i, I love that approach and that that attitude towards trying different things and, and we encourage everyone to you know I, I did a post on LinkedIn yesterday saying, you know, opposing to going to university, I would spend those four years at different careers or different jobs or trying different yeah. things out. And the ROI on that will be a hundred times what you get from going to university. And I got a bit of, you know, a bit of uh, a bit of slack for a few people, you know, downplaying university. But in my opinion, 
you can learn what you learn at university for a huge amount of courses online for free or you can pay for a course you know you don't need to go to university for four years and i'll be honest loads of my you know friends that went to university that they'll be the first to say they essentially partied for three years and kind of got a degree <laughs> at the end so i'm you know i'm not downplaying uni it has its place but um i 100 percent agree with you and in, in your sentiment on trying different things and just you've got nothing to lose. And like you say, you're going to be working for a hell of a long time. So you will most likely change. It's, it's not like our parents and grandparents before us, where they're, like you said, you get a nice watch and a retirement party after 30 years. Yeah, well, and you know, this is true. I mean, it, it's interesting is we go back and ask that question. Seth Godin's got a fantastic TED talk about what, what is school for? If you've ever seen it, it's on YouTube. And, and you know, what is education for and the purpose of school? And the, the, the purpose of certificates and going to a certain type of a, a university and a certain type of school and largely it can be status games you know if you go to a certain type of school it's about you know they have certain standards and the reputations you do a certain degree I mean I didn't go to university I worked a university believe it or not so I there was a university where I policed and when I was in uniform and you know when I got to see and, and be, was friends with people and I was very envious of the lifestyle you know here's me on a Saturday night working nights mm. outside the student union, which people <laughs> of my of my age partying away and having the time of life. And and, and I all honest with you, I was incredibly jealous of these people and there's no doubt about that. And do I regret not going to university? Why well, I can't not re- I can't regret not going because of mm. where I am now and you know when I've got the career and many people in university would dream of having. Um and I took a very unconventional route to get here what i what i would say is you know university can be right for some people it can be wrong for some people but but i am equally on board with you and experiences we need surgeons to go to medical school we need yeah you know i don't think we need police officers but they're making police officers go to university and colleges and things so i i think there's this element that we've um i mean i've got kids so i'll go back i mean regress a little bit here to, to school so school is heavily focused on academic success yeah. and peer comparison and life is to a degree as well but so you put these kids in school you give them what is an incredibly outdated syllabus to learn you tell them to remember things that they can go and search in a second on google <laughs> with a device facts yeah. and figures that are completely irrelevant they're just taking up time and space in their head and taking up time they ask them to do homework and there's no actually clear point of the homework in fact my son's homework from high school recently believe it or not was to watch tv so <laughs> to watch an art program and, and i think realistically we we it's school is failing children massively certainly in in britain i can't come for the rest of the Mm. world but and the system is is broken and you know you have that point where someone goes out someone's has an easy time at school because they're good at remembering facts and that's the reality they go to sit in an exam and they've got great short-term memory exams gcses or whatever they call them these days is really mostly about the ability to recall facts well, that's the internet. Why do they ban phones and exams? Because so why do they ban the internet? So you can't go find the answers. And that's ridiculous. What do you think? The answers themselves, finding the answers is a skill in itself. Mm. And it's it's it shows how wrong about face that we've got with things. And it's the same with universities. I, I had a lot to do with university and their marketing qualification. I, I ended up um, consulting on once. And it was basically a textbook. And, and sort of like, I think it was something like 40% of people didn't attend lectures. 
and they got videos of them because they've recorded wow. the lectures and the, the the syllabus was outdated massively outdated and was written from a really high level huge big brand um viewpoint of marketing and not actually the real world in the streets of marketing for businesses today um and it it's ended up with I, i'm sure students have left and they've they've understood that they spent three years or whatever and a lot of money that they've now got to repay and they haven't didn't get what they were promised um which is sad but that being said i know people who do do digital marketing courses and degrees and they're very happy and they come out and but then some of those are supplementary learning as well so i, I think it's a mixed bag right now but i think this the education system is broken in terms of what are we testing are we testing abilities are we growing people's skill bases or are we actually testing short-term memory and those are the best short or long-term memories uh with and that doesn't seem fair to me i'm absolutely loving this conversation andrew it's exactly how i feel about the education system and i always want to have an answer for how i would change it but i haven't come up with one yet because you know to a certain extent these exams and these qualifications are, are what help people progress into universities and then you know if you get a two one somebody's going to hire you because you've got one what a one or so, whatever it is mm-hmm. you know this is how society works at the moment i wish i had a sort of a better way for us to you know show some form of skill or something opposed to grades but i haven't quite come up with it yet uh, yeah, I mean, I have my view. Probably my view has been shaped by a few other individuals, but I, I think we don't need teachers. We need experts to record. We need the best and the best in the world, the subject matter experts who are the best at conveying that at all levels, whether that be to university degrees or whether that be to six year olds. And we find the best of the best, the best, and we record them once. Mm. And then teachers cease to become teachers, they become coaching. Mm. coaches and what their job is to the the children get to watch the best in education so teaching standard no longer becomes an issue and then inside the lessons what people do is they're coached on um what they've learned from the best and applying that and that would suddenly be very different and very much fun and, and you know and we encourage an education system that is actually more individualistic so you know you might have uh, one child logging into a course on woodwork and there's a woodwork corner that they can go and make stuff in. And there might be another child logging into a course on uh, sports uh, science, you know, and and the teacher there is there not really as a expert in any subject, but is to help them to pro- progress their learning and they coach their learning. And and whilst also, yeah, they've got to do the core subjects. There's no, no denying that. But wouldn't it be better to have the world's best six-year-old mask teacher in britain and recording their lesson once because they're that good and then conveying it and you could send that out to everybody yeah no, having, i love it having it's, the it's other idea. alternative well i mean the other alternative is have teachers of varying standards who are varying skills and give the knowledge you know there's two sections of it, isn't there? there's the knowledge and there's the coaching the child and and as they go through and adults and things like that and with technology we're not leveraging the internet in education so and that's coming from somebody who's literally learned everything he knows from online education that if it wasn't for online education, I wouldn't have been able to do the job I'm doing and also add the value to various clients over the years and, and change businesses for people. So I, I'm, I'm in firmly in the online education and the hybrid education space. I don't think it's ever going to happen. 
I don't think it will happen for 50 years if that, you know, there's too much friction in place about this old school, you've got to go to school and do it this way type of method. Uh, I, I agree. I agree, definitely. Um, but going a bit back towards SEO, mm-hmm. if somebody's thinking of getting into this, what are three key skill sets that they should probably look to think about developing? Okay, so um, you can go and learn anything about SEO and you could learn everything about SEO over the next three months. You can you could go Google and read every single article and watch every single video, you know, probably won't have time to wash and only eat cereal, but you'd in three months, you would absolutely have acquire all that information. You'd have all the parts of the tree, but you wouldn't understand it. So, and there's two parts to really becoming great at SEO is one is the doing the learning of SEO. So you've got to learn it. And the second part is the doing of SEO. Now, ridiculously, both of these things are virtually free to do, you know? So if I was to suggest anybody if I, was, if I was to suggest anybody want to get into the career of SEO, there's two options. One, you know, you can't go to university or anything like that, but you can look for entry-level positions inside digital agencies and go down that route. But you don't need to wait for that. You can read everything you can about SEO. There's resources littered across the internet. But then what you need to start doing is doing the SEO. And if you rock up at an agency and say, hey, listen, I've grown a site from zero to 10,000 visitors per month, and it's not making any money or just got a few ads on there, it just pays for the hosting um, and I really love the process. Can I talk to you about how I did it? And if there's any jobs, can you um, offer, would you think about me in the future? If there's somebody who's going to think about getting in the career of SEO, that is far more powerful than rocking up and saying, I want to job an SEO because it, it's, it's showing that you're really involved in SEO rather than just saying you want SEO. And an SEO is, is probably less attractive for people in many ways because everyone wants to be a TikToker these days or an influencer <laughs> or a YouTuber. And I get that. Um, but essentially, SEO is, is, about, is really powerful because we change behaviors through content and through, through websites that are discovered online. And, and we can add value to society in ways that, that influencers maybe can't because their, their, their Instagram picture disappears very quickly. And it's a very... It's a very temporary thing. Mm. Video YouTube is a bit different, but I think if you want to go into career, the three steps I would I would suggest is that is read everything you can, do SEO, try it, fail. If you're doing, eventually you'll succeed if you're following the advice. And then three, following that is head up to somebody who can employ you in SEO, or start freelancing after you've got that success and your own time. The danger is you don't want to you don't want to charge people to do it on their money and to learn on their money. That's the wrong thing. So that's why I spent a long time doing projects on my own before I even went to professional in the business or even charged anyone for it. I'd done, I'd, I'd made many successes and failures, but you don't have to wait like eight years like I did. You know, literally the internet is a very vastly better place than it was when I first started with so much more resources on there. You can really condense that learning and you can even do it simultaneously, you know, build a website first and then start, trying things out and learning SEO and, and and if you get success then and even if it's a small amount of success you can get your foot in the door somewhere and what would you say has been the number one positive you've taken out of working in SEO um that's a really interesting question um the number one benefit I would say the number one thing is is opportunity 
the ESI has opened doors that I never thought were possible for me. And um, it's good because you don't need any qualifications to get an SEO game. And there's a lot of opinions. It, it's really one of them strange things where getting your first job in SEO is arguably the hardest part if you want to go and get a job in SEO. But there exists many people traveling all over the world as SEO freelancers running their agents. I've got a lot of friends who sun it up and Bali and other places in the world <laughs> whilst living behind their laptop. And yeah, they're not on the beach and it isn't the way people think it is, but they're living an incredible life of opportunity because all they need is an internet connection. So it is a job with opportunity that, that isn't the same as other careers. And uh, the internet's not going out anywhere. If anything, search engine opportunity optimization is going to get bigger because the marketplace will be very diverse. Yes, we've got Google. That's always going to be the biggest creature out there. But now we've got sites like Ecosia, which plant trees for in return for using their search engine. You've got DuckDuckGo. Hrefs launched another website. It's another search engine. And eventually that'll continue. There'll be a diversification of search engines to the point where SEO it becomes even more uh, opportunity in the industry. And as a result of that, you know, you're going to have plenty of, ways to, to earn a living and there's plenty of subsets of uh, SEO where you can learn very specific skills. So opportunity, that's how I'd advise anyone. If you're looking for an unusual career path which has um, incredibly diverse opportunities, then SEO is, is hard to break into. But once you break into it, you know, there's incredible things. The world's a big place once you're involved in SEO. And then on the flip side of that, what's something that's maybe less favorable about working in SEO? <laughs> it's not glamorous. So, um, you know, it, it is, SEO is mostly um, a very long-term process where you have to play long-term games. So it isn't, it is a process that requires patience and very few people have that patience. If everyone's loss averse no one wants to pay money out and then wait six to 12 months for results and even if they say they do that patient runs thin a lot of time so it is being um the patience you've got to be patient and and that's that's the problem with seo it's a long-term game um and mm -hmm. if you enter we've got people in our office who have been doing seo since they were 16 and 24 now you know, and they, they entered in digital marketing apprentices and they've grown through and they're on fantastic wages and they're, they're doing really well in life. And so the opportunities are there. It's just the downside is that you have to give up stuff. You have to sacrifice things because you've got to learn. You have to sacrifice Netflix, you know, for a couple of days a week. You have to read books. You have to go online. You have to go to that knowledge. That's the problem where I see it requires a great degree of sacrifice. And then to wrap this up, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Uh, the only thing I can suggest is that, that uh, yes, I would. Um, but I think if, if I'm honest with you, for me personally, um, there are other parts of marketing which also fascinate me that I didn't know even existed until recently, like behavioral science and things like that. But I, if I were to repeat my career path, I would be very happy but also I wish I'd gone into marketing as, as a young man because, um, you know, I wish I'd started as that 16 year old in marketing rather than go down the police. I'm not, I can't say I'm unhappy about the police. It was an incredible experience and I got to see life and, and, and 
probably too detailed um, way. But what I would say is the actual, if I could start again now, it would be to go in the marketing as early as humanly possible because marketing makes change happen. That's what marketing is about. And to, it's an incredibly responsible role to be a marketer and somebody who changes the behaviors of others. And I think that's, that's something I'm massively passionate about and I, I wish I'd done it all sooner. Well, I've absolutely loved chatting with you uh, today, Andrew. I love your perspective and your outlook on careers and, and life in general. So thank you so much. And where no can people find you and your company? Okay, so there's uh, uh, two places you can find me. So Embryo Digital. Uh, if you Google Embryo Marketing or EmbryoDigital.co.uk, uh, you'll find our website. Um, and also uh, at Zoogly, which is spelled Z-O-O-G-L-Y. Uh, that's like where you'll see my, that's that's my first agency website and it's still going. It's got loads of content on there and we're going to do a refresh. And also if you want to learn more about SEO, I've got a book called The Value of SEO, which is available on Amazon as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure.